So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hi, and welcome to another episode of New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares, legal technology trainer and consultant. I love helping lawyers and law firms use technology better. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors. Ross Intelligence, the legal research platform that leverages AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Go to Ross Intelligence for a 14-day free trial. And that's rossintelligence.com. Nexa, formerly known as Answer One, is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800-267-9371 or online at nexa.com, N-E-X-A. Clio's cloud-based practice management software means it's easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com, and that's C-L-I-O.com. LawClerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how they increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. Okay, so here we are, and we're doing, um, I wouldn't call this a special episode, but you know, we're trying to really focus on helping lawyers who are struggling or trying to figure out how to work from home, work from home and get their offices mobilized. So I've got a great co-host with me today and two really special guests. Hi, Greg Lambert. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me come on. Oh, I'm excited to have you as a co-host. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your background, where you work, and definitely about your blog that you've been a part of for a really long time. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, I'm Greg Lambert. I'm with uh, Jackson Walker in our Houston office. I'm the Chief Knowledge Services Officer, and I do a couple of things on the side, such as uh, I do a podcast called The Geek in Review. I'm doing a special podcast miniseries right now called In Seclusion, and then most people will know me from the blog that we've done for, oh, a dozen or so years called Three Geeks in a Law Blog. Great. And Greg, a little bit about your law firm. Can you tell us the size and scope of Jackson Walker? Yeah, so we're a little bit uh, bigger. We're a regional office in Texas only. We have seven offices, five kind of larger offices, 400 attorneys, and about an equal number of staff. Awesome. I love that. So we've got a lot of good representation across the law firm scope here because our first guest that I'd like to introduce is David Holmes. And David runs a large law firm in Punta Gorda, Florida. Right, David? (laughs) Relatively large, I'd say, Adriana. (laughs) Yeah. At least large for our market. But yes, I'm the managing partner of a firm in Punta Gorda, Florida. For those of you who don't know, that's on the west coast of Florida, about halfway between Sarasota and Fort Myers. Our firm is Far, Far, Emmerich, Hackett, Carr, and Holmes. That's a mouthful, so we just go by the Far Law Firm. We've got um, about 16 attorneys, 50 employees and staff and attorneys all in. Yeah, it's a good-sized law firm for for Punta Gorda. I mean, really, for most of that side of the state of Florida, it's a large law firm. And then our other guest, Henry Herman. Hi, Henry. Hi, Adriana. You're a true solo. Yes. Do you have a secretary? Myself. Yep. Yep. Do you have a paralegal? I Um, do. I do. It's you. Her name is Henry Herman. (laughs) Yeah. 
And an associate or two, uh, <laughs> also named Henry Herman. So, but you are what I refer to as a large firm refugee, although your firm that you spent most of your career at and left, again, is large, relatively speaking. But tell us a little bit about your, your career and your big firm that you left. So I left a, f- a firm that was really more of a boutique uh, real estate firm, but we did uh, we represented large developers uh, in Southern California and then nationally. So I was lucky enough to start there as a, uh, this is in Santa Monica, California. I was lucky enough to start there as a clerk in my last year, and then I was hired as an associate and was there my whole career until I started my own firm. And uh, we did large real estate deals, development deals, so I would always had uh, big law on the other side of the table, you know, Latham and Gibson Dunn and Alan Atkins, these kind of firms. And so we had to have similar infrastructure in terms of technology or, you know, document management and that sort of thing to, you know, to look like we were sophisticated and to be able to play with the big boys, as it were. And so that's my background um, coming from that kind of environment for 20 years and then starting my own firm and and sort of still wanting to play in that same arena. And you still do. And still do. And so immediately needed to be a solo and somehow, you know, play in the tall weeds with big dogs, as they say. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So that's sort of what I can talk about. All right. Well, great. Greg, do you have any questions you want to start off with? Because if you don't, I definitely have questions. Well, it's uh, your podcast, so I'll let you kick it off. Oh, no. I'm always happy to relinquish control, (laughs) believe it or not. Actually, I'll start with David because I really, you know, David, you guys were ready for the corona crisis, whether, you know, you realized it or not, I think. So you want to, do you want to tell us a little bit about just, the firm's history with hurricanes and growing a large firm, and then at what point you decided that you had to have a firm that was ready to be able to disperse and work mobily, and, and how you got there? Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, our firm has been around since 1924, so the technology that our firm began with literally consisted of paper files, carbon paper, and typewriters, and we have gone forward from there. And... Um, we have some long-term employees who were there during the carbon paper and typewriter <laughs> days, which presents its own challenges. But uh, over time, you know, personally, I'm just kind of a technology guy. I like to have the latest technology. And kind of like Henry was saying, we play with the big boys in that space quite a bit. And in order to compete, in order to stay up to date, you really have to have the best technology. And the benefit that goes along with it is it can free you from the confines of your office, either when you're traveling or because you want to be somewhere else. So we went through a first big plunge in the early 2000s where we went to case management system, but not cloud-based case management system. And then, as you said, we had this event in um, 2004 called Hurricane Charlie, which was a Category 5 hurricane, the eye of which literally went directly over our office. And we were down and out for about 10 days. The recovery That sounds really catastrophic until you think of the situation most law firms are dealing with right now, but we Mm -hmm. can talk more about that later. So the experience we learned from Hurricane Charlie was to always be ready, to have a continuity plan, to have a business continuation plan, and be able to move. And then sort of the next iteration of our technology growth was to get on the cloud, thanks to you and your help and the Uh consulting services you provided to us. Uh So now we are... um, you know, lawyers are all adopters to a very different degree. We've got early adopters, we've got slow adopters, but we are able to be paperless. In my practice, I am paperless, 
my staff will not let me hold on to any piece of paper and we we really don't open any kind of paper files or anything of that nature and um, having that infrastructure in place really helped us when the COVID-19 pandemic and the various stay-at-home advice orders requirements came down the pike so we were able to sort of pick up and move our workforce remote uh, fairly quickly. I wouldn't say we had everything in place because we did do a fire drill and run out and acquire a number of laptops mm -hmm. for folks whose technology at home wasn't going to be able to keep pace. But other than that, uh, we were ready to roll. And we've got 85% of our workforce working remote now for the last week and a half. We had a virtual staff meeting via Zoom this morning. I awesome. did a sur I did a survey monkey survey yesterday, let everybody know their answers were going to be anonymous. And I've got I think 95% of our remote users saying that they love it or it's as good as being in the office. Only 5% who are anything other than that level of satisfaction. So No kidding. Yeah, yeah. We're doing great. We're we are doing great. Oh my god, you're an inspiration. We're in the same boat. Uh, everyone is remote and there are people that this is the very first time that they're remote. And, you know, I keep telling everyone, the genie's out of the bottle on this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking they're going to go back to business as usual, you know, is, is just not going to happen. Um, I did have a question for Henry, since you've done this for a number of years. I, I want to look at the client side. So when you, when you work with clients who are not physically in the room with you, what are some of the demands that, that you see that you can share with those of us that this may be the first time where we've automatically had to do uh, remote interactions with our clients? So for the most part, my clients almost exclusively don't actually have much demand in terms of physical presence. I used to do, so So mostly what I do is commercial real estate transactions, and I do, I do some litigation. I keep trying to not, but I end up inevitably at all times have a couple of cases going. But mostly I do transactional work. And even then, uh, it's a lot of commercial office leasing and asset management and then with some purchase sale type stuff. And so for years, it has been a, you know, an electronic, if you will, uh, practice where, you know, deals are done. It, you know, you have a lot of conference calls. Uh, my clients still like to have conference calls, you know, the old fashioned way on the phones. But that's been for a long time. And so I, I found a long time ago that I was able, you know, when I was still with the firm, I was able to work remotely, not as efficiently as now, but, you know, I sort of figured out ways to do it. And really what my clients demand is their documents and proceeding on transactions, or even if it's litigation, my clients demand that I'm at a court hearing if I'm supposed to be there. Um, and I... I, obviously, anybody can be anywhere in the country pretty quickly, but now, um, and even before uh, this current environment, we have, you know, court calls and things like that. And now I think we're going to have more and more even video, like status conferences will be on video. It'll be cool. But, but again, I'm dealing with sophisticated clients that they are busy and they just want to have uh, their documents, you know. Every now and then you get somebody that's super old school, and thinks that you should be in your office. And I actually have one client I can talk about later, but one client that actually literally did want me to be around in an office. But then I think older, older clients and 
you know, sophisticated, successful business people have in their minds that we are sitting in our offices. And I've always struggled with this less and less as I go along, but I've always had this concern that my clients, though they don't know that I'm roaming around the country and working in and licensed in various states uh, and working different places, they might think in their minds that I'm in the office. And if they knew how actual mobile I was, I've always worried that they might think, oh, maybe I should get a lawyer that just sits in his office all day. I feel more comfortable with that, you know. But having said that, I've actually never had that occur, uh, with one exception, and even that you know, as a special, special case. It was a special snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now, and with sophisticated, especially working with corporate clients, as you guys know, it's one thing when you're dealing with individuals, when you're dealing with corporate clients, a lot of your actual interaction are with the, you know, the VPs and the executives and, and younger people, not the CEOs often. And so those people, you know, they don't really care. They just want to get, they just, they're trying to get their work done and they need a lawyer to help them to get their work done. And so this remote, if you will, mobile, it really has become more and more and more electronic. Everything is done by emails or by now Zoom or conference calls, documents, uh, the demands for physical presence just don't really exist. And can I just say, so that client of yours that wanted you to be in your office, joke's on him right now. Because yeah, right. there's literally not a lawyer in this country in their office. <laughs> so I just want to sort of recap what I think I understood from you, which is you have sophisticated clients and you practice in an area of law that doesn't necessarily demand physical meetings all the time. And I think that one of the reasons you have been able to do this successfully is because you're very responsive to your clients. Right. So um, as soon as they email, you answer your own phones. Yes, you take their text messages. So you have a handful of clients, but you have a very high touch level, even though it's not physical. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. David, what about you and your firm? Yeah, I think it's very similar. Um, Listening to Henry, I think, you know, in a lot of ways especially in technology, lawyers and law firms are often catching up with the rest of the world, right? And I think this is an example of that. We we have a generational firm. We've got lawyers in their 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20s. And their relationship with technology and sort of their views and values about using technology in lieu of face-to-face meetings is different based upon their background and experience and and the way they've done things historically. But I can tell you, um, one of my best adopters is 73 years old, used to hear me talking about how I could get three days worth of work done at home compared to being one day in the office because of the constant interruptions and those kinds of things. And I finally got him to go remote as a result of the pandemic, made sure he was set up. And the first phone call I had with him was, why haven't I been doing this before? I'm getting so Uh. much work done. (laughs) So uh, he's going to be one of my... uh, my uh, champions of this whole process. And I think uh, like a lot of things, you can't really plan every aspect and every element of what it's going to be like to get someone remote. But once you do, they just go to work and they start figuring it out and they use the tools that you give them. And if you give them good tools, they're going to get a lot done. And in most cases, more than they would being chained to a desk in a physical location. But I think you're right. uh, As Henry was saying, clients want us to be available. So my experience is very similar Clients have my cell number. I have no barriers about taking cell calls, receiving text messages, sending text messages, emails, all of that. It's all about communication and responsiveness. And if you have that piece of it down, 
it doesn't matter what technology you use or where you are when you're doing your work. The other thing that came to mind is for those situations where you do need a little more than voice, the screen share capability that you have with Zoom or with GoToMeeting mm-hmm. usually gets it done. I'm thinking of an arbitration that I'm involved in right now where you know, the lawyers are scattered all over the state of Florida, the arbitrators in Tallahassee, Florida. We have yet to have, except for the ultimate hearing, a single sitting where we were all in one room. But we use a lot of screen share to show exhibits as we're making presentations and arguments and those kinds of things. And the, the screen share technology really is fantastic today and, and helps you close the gap between distance and being in the same room. Yeah, that's huge. I'd like to get comments from everybody. So yesterday I had a, uh, a leasing meeting call with a client, and a client is a major international commercial office building owner, my client. And then on the same call was the building management company, which is Heinz. They are one of the largest in the world. And then the brokers, who which is Cushman and Wakefield, also one of the largest brokerage firms in the world. And so we were setting that up, and to my client who was sending me the call-in number, I said, hey, maybe we should try a Zoom call or maybe we should try a video call with Zoom. We can, you know, share documents and just like you're saying. And then uh, the email back from the client was, no, I'm just doing a phone call. <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, rats. I was really open to, you know, pull the client into to the more modern age, but I guess those things will go slowly. But, uh, you know. But you're and, ready when it does. Yeah, I mean, so... One thing, we need, we can help our clients get more sophisticated, you know? The one thing that's sort of holding us back now, especially in the, in the COVID pandemic, is the requirement of notarizing documents. So Florida adopted last year, it became effective January 1, a remote notary statute where now a signature on a document can be notarized by a notary who is not physically present, but present via some sort of technology that meets the requirements of the statute. That was something we thought we would never need, but now you know we're in the situation where we can really strip ourselves of all need to have meetings in the office during this pandemic health crisis, except for situations, and we do a lot of commercial and a lot of residential real estate closings in our practice, and we've, got, we've still got transactions that have to be closed, so we're very quickly trying to get up to speed on the remote notary laws that are out there on a state-by-state basis. And I'm getting my paralegal credentialed right now so that if I can PDF documents to a client, they can grab witnesses. I can have my paralegal, who's now certified as a remote notary, use the Florida Bar Authorized Technology Platform, observe that signature, validate their identity, and notarize the document without being physically present. Another piece of technology that's pulling us away from the need to have these people all in the same place at the same time, which is very important in today's environment. Yeah, I think one of the things we're going to hopefully benefit from a situation like this is that you're going to have major industries such as the banking industry finally give in to not everything needs to be a wet signature, that you can do electronic signatures on these things. In fact, it, it will benefit everyone in the long run. Oh, I totally agree. Greg, what's your first? Oh, you know, I had a question for David and for Greg, actually, which was, I feel that most firms of any, you know, size have set up their attorneys to work remotely. So what did you do to make it so that your assistants and paralegals could quickly work from home 
And that was one of the weird issues. So I saw a little bit on Twitter where law firms were requiring their staff and their paralegals to go into the office while all the attorneys were working from home. And I think one of the states, actually, the governor had to issue a specific mandate to law firms to not do that. <laughs> like, a, So I'm wondering what you all did to quickly pivot your, your staff that isn't used to working from home to do that. Well, I can tell you that uh, when we started making these decisions now a couple weeks ago, the idea of the optics and just the propriety of saying to your staff, hey, us attorneys, we're all going to go remote and we're going to leave you guys in the building. Good luck. <laughs> it was just not going to be acceptable. I was not going to do that to my people. So I said, we've got the infrastructure here. Let's figure out how to get everybody remote. Since I've worked remote probably the most of anyone in the office, I knew it could be done. So the first thing we did was a technology survey and said, tell us what you have at home. Oh, what, so it, smart. Yeah. It, is it a laptop? Is it a PC? What version of mm -hmm. Windows are you running? Or if it's a Mac, what version of uh, Mac OS are you running? Got that information and really kind of figured out that if people weren't on Windows 10, yep. that they were going to have a lot of trouble. Yep, for sure. So, you know, we, we kind of started gathering that information on Wednesday. I had a call with my firm administrator on Saturday and he said, look, we got you know, 12 to 15 people who at home don't have the right technology. Or we have a lot of people that don't even have a computer at home. They just have iPads and stuff. These right. days they're using their cell phones and their tablets. So being the situation we were in, we didn't have the, the luxury of time. We went to Best Buy. We figured out a set of specs with our IT consultants and procured 15 laptops. Awesome. And got them tooled up, got them spun up with the right stuff, you know, and they're we wiped them first to get all the junk software that you get on a yep. retail PC, built them back from scratch and deployed them and uh, had some concerns about how it would work with our VPN and that, that kind of stuff, not to get too wonky about it. But uh, the reviews are great. We're two weeks in and um, everything's very stable and working very well. And I'll just throw in real quick, because I'm sure people are wondering uh, what infrastructure you have. And first of all, you're a Clio law firm and NetDocuments. Right. Thanks again to that wonderful consultant I told you about. <laughs> I, I can't recall her name at the moment. Oh yeah, Adriana, that was it. Uh, yes, right. we are we are on uh, Net Documents and Clio as our two cloud-based solutions. Document management through Net Documents, contact management, yep. etc. Through Clio. Perfect. And so is Henry, by the way, for everyone who's listening. Henry's a solo practitioner that has the same infrastructure set up. David, what do you have the VPN set up for? We have a lot of, uh, we're a diverse law firm. We, yeah. yeah, we got a very diverse practice. So I, I say it's one third litigation, one third uh, business and corporate, and one third real estate. But we really have a whole suite of proprietary kind of non-cloud-based right. solutions. Like that double time use. for real exactly. estate stuff. Okay, yeah. So that makes sense. So those estate people that- planning software, that right, kind of stuff. Right, right. So whoever needs those tools that are still residing on your server because those companies haven't gone to the cloud yet, hello, companies out there not in the cloud yet, then you just set them up with a VPN to, to get in. Well, cool. Yeah, and I'll testify that uh, getting to the cloud is essential. Yeah. And you, you may not be able to talk yourself through what you think the benefits will be, but it's sort of like flying first class. Who wants to go back to coach, right? Greg, what about you? Well, I'll second everything that uh, David just said. We we went through basically the, the same thing with the survey, making sure uh, most of our attorneys were set up and ready to go. And as soon as we said, start working from home, they, there was... Very little that we needed to do for them to transition. 
The staff, on the other hand, a good number of the staff were using desktops at work. And so the survey let us know what they had at home. But uh, we still had a number of, you know, we were lucky that we had a number of laptops. We had just gone through a, a refresh not too long ago. So we were able to pull out some of the laptops and then order a few. And I, it was a struggle to order. There was a big demand yeah. on getting, getting laptops. So, and I will tell you this, that uh, anyone that knows me knows that I will point out anytime that uh, IT is kind of keeping us down and they really went to bat for us. And I think we were in a very similar position that David uh, was in that we uh, recently went through an emergency and it didn't affect all offices, but it affected our Houston office, which was uh, Hurricane Harvey a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. These damn hurricanes. I know. But you know what? Uh, n- don't let an emergency go to waste. So uh, <laughs> the uh, that really, I think that set us up more because that showed the holes in our network capability. So at that time, we had to have people physically going into the building and monitoring a lot of the network capabilities. And we made sure that that was something that we fixed. So this is going to be a new emergency for, you know, a brand new first time emergency for a lot of us. And so they're going to be learning uh, what we learned a couple of years ago. I'll say that I sent out a survey to my firm, but nobody responded. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe everyone responded. Yeah. I, I hear your paralegal Henry's kind of uh, unresponsive. Yeah, he doesn't like technology that much. Before we go on to our next segment, let's take a quick break and listen to some messages from some sponsors. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. More than just an answering service, Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualified leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm software, and much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Signing up is free and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code NEWSOLO to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. All right, and we're back. So I've got Greg Lambert. Henry Herman and David Holmes on New Solo today, and we're talking about different law firms, all of different sizes, different shapes, different geographies, um, reacting and getting ready to disperse their firms, you know, to their homes as uh, the corona crisis has struck and hopefully giving everyone some good ideas about it might be too late for some of you to do some of these things but you know in preparation for the next time there's something weird like this that happens i'll just say really quick that i sit on twitter every once in a while and i hear so much talk about transforming the law and how can we change the law and everybody wants to change how the profession is is running and I just sit there and roll my eyes all the time and I think, oh, you guys can you know, blow all that air that you want. But it's not until moments like this that I think the profession actually makes a shift. And the last time I saw a menu- monumental shift like that was after Katrina. So I think it's interesting that now everyone, and believe me, I am as a consultant, I am absolutely drowning 
right now, not only with my own clients, but with organizations and companies that are looking for webinars on how to work from home, mediators that are trying to figure out how to use Zoom better. So I think there's going to be a pretty quick shift in the profession. Like you said earlier, Greg, the genie is out of the bottle. And it wasn't by choice, it was by force. And I think it's it's really amazing. I think we're definitely going to see that shift happen. Yeah, I say the same thing, that uh, law firms don't move until something blows up. That's right. <laughs> and the great thing about this move is that it's not learning to cope with something that's a negative. It's unleashing, at long last, the power of a positive that can make you a more efficient attorney give you a better life and help you deliver the goods for your clients in a more effective way. So lawyers are slow to change sometimes, but this is a huge opportunity for lawyers all, all across America to say, hey, I've got to catch up. I've got to get my technology up to date. And then they're going to experience benefits they never saw coming. And I think, David, you know, I've, I told you when, when we first met and I started helping your firm that you are not like a lot of other managing partners and leaders. You know, David's firm had gone through a heart transplant many years ago. And, you know, when I went to his office and was talking to him about what we we're going to go through, he knew. He said, look, we're going through another heart transplant. I don't expect this to be easy, but I also don't expect it to be so hard that people are going to cry or quit. And the way you managed your people, you had the right expectations and the right leadership skills to bring that firm through that change at, at a time that was not an emergency. So David, do you just want to, if you don't mind, just sort of speak to other managing partners and leaders in, their, in law firms about really sending the right message and how you manage all those, like you said, you have a generational law firm. How do you take a law firm through these changes and not lose everybody? Like, what are some tips you can give us? Well, the first thing you have to do is is decide and believe that what you're going to do is the right thing for the firm. Then the next thing you got to do is come to grips with the reality that lawyers like to argue and lawyers like to complain and lawyers are hard to satisfy. That's just the nature of the beast. So you take on the mindset that I'm going to do what's good for the group and I know that Various people at various times are going to express various levels of dissatisfaction and just take it as it comes, but have a plan, have someone help you along the way, understand that there is no one perfect solution that's going to make everybody happy. It's just not going to happen. Among other things, we lawyers, myself at the top of the list, are idiosyncratic people. We like to do things our way. And our way, we think, is the best way, but it's completely different than the way the person next door does it. And there is no technology solution that's going to paper over all of that. So in my mind, it's an idea of of coming up with a vision, understanding that there's going to be an initial period where you're going to be dealing with a lot of complaints, you're going to deal with them joyfully, and you're going to commit yourself to training, 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 training. You make an investment in technology, whatever it is, and it's always like everything else in life going to cost more than you want it to when you start the process. But you have to build in your budget and preserve in that budget a sufficient amount to train your people. If you cut corners on training, you're going to make it worse. So you do a great job of training, and we invested in that training. And... I said to everybody, the first 30 days are going to be the worst. And then, you know, the heart transplant's a great way to refer to it. 
you get to 60, you get to 90. We had the last spasm of people complaining. And then after 90 days, everybody's just going about their day, doing their work. And um, they should all mail you thank you cards. But the lack of <laughs> complaining in my mind is better than a thank you card. So we all just march forward. <laughs> hey, David, can I add on to that? Um, I know Henry's uh, staff and attorneys are completely happy and satisfied, <laughs> but uh, lawyers are not known for their management uh, skills. They're they're known for their legal skills and issue spotting skills, and they can be bad managers when the people are right there in front of them. How are you helping? You you said about training. How are you helping your leadership manage the people? when they can't see them, they can't walk down the hall and talk to them. Well, you know, that's a very prescient topic right now. And it's something we're just really starting to get our arms around because when you turn loose your hourly workforce to work remote, there's a whole lot of issues that go along with that, including compliance. So I think we still have a little ways to go in that department. There was a great piece that just came out in the Harvard Business Review that I have sitting in my virtual non-paper desktop to read about managing a remote workforce. But you know, we're encouraging everyone constantly that you have to put in all your time, right? We don't want to have any wage and hour violations during this time where everybody's working remote. We try to keep people generally available during the standard workday where most of the activity is going on, but we understand that once people are remote, they're going to be getting more done in many cases before the workday, the conventional workday starts, or they're going to be working after hours. So I'm really trying to give everyone that flexibility, but uh, I think we have a learning curve that we need to go through to adopt some best practices there. I think when it's all over, our plan is to get most of our staff back into the sort of conventional environment. But as you said, the genie's out of the bottle. So I think we're going to see more people coming to us, making the case that I can be more effective working in this fashion. And if and when I hear that, frankly, I'm going to be inclined to believe it because mm -hmm. I'm seeing it happen right now. I love that. Oh, Henry. I have a question sure. for the firm guys and actually even for myself, but how are you? So when the more we work remotely or what have you, and it's basically computer-driven work life, inevitably, for me, all day long, I have issues with my computer. I don't, you know, I'm trying to save something into my, you know, for me, it's net documents. For somebody else, maybe it's a different document management system, but trying to save something in, and I can't, and my document won't open. Or my, the old classic is, I try to open a document, and it won't check back in. Or hey, hey, don't like you that. be bad-mouthing net docs <laughs> no. right now. Well, that was I manage. Okay. I'm the head I manage. <laughs> uh, I would get so mad and frustrated, and that must happen with your not only with your lawyers and associates, but now with staff. I mean, how do you handle what must be a daily avalanche of, you know, oh, this ain't working? Well, we have a IT managed services provider. So uh, we don't have a full-time FTE technology person in the office, but we have a, a contract managed services provider. Mm -hmm. And they are primarily our remote help desk. So- Excellent. You know, if we have those kinds of questions while people are working in the office, how are we getting them solved? 99% of the time, it's with the managed services provider, remoting in, sharing your desktop, and walking you through the issue, fixing mm. the issue, whatever it is. So, frankly, they're doing with our remote workforce exactly what they do with our in-office workforce. And surprisingly, we haven't had 
I think the people that are on laptops have brand new machines that probably are working better than some of the five-year-old machines in the office. So we have not had a lot of those um, challenges at this point. And you really won't with cloud-based systems and programs because they're a little lighter on hardware typically. So um, I feel like this whole movement toward cloud-based services and just being a a cloud-enabled law firm will naturally reduce a lot of tech support issues. Yeah. And I I can say that we are still transitioning slowly to cloud. But uh, for example, our iManage is is still on-prem. But one of the things I think that has helped us more than anything is we went to a always-on VPN. And so when people take their firm laptops or, or Surface Pros home, there's almost no difference that they see Mm -hmm. than when they dock it in their office. In fact, I say one of the things that validates that is our IT help desk, which we have an excellent help desk. I mean, they they all sit in Dallas. Well, most of them sit in Dallas. And they serve the rest of the firm as though they're right there. Um, There's no need for them to physically, unless there's some hardware issue, there's no need to go physically anywhere uh, to fix something, it's it's all done remotely. So we've kind of dumb lucked our way into it. I, I that's a little mean to say it that way, but you know, just the slow, methodical steps we've taken over the past ten years has helped ease this transition. That's great. Well, I don't think that was mean, Greg. I think that was actually quite well spirited in nature, and I'm I'm glad to hear that a firm your size is able to do that to provide you know the ability for people to work from home, and there is something to be said about a VPN and and the security that it offers because you said VPN right is it through yes, a VPN yes. yeah yeah, yeah. No, and, that's great and it's an always on VPN always on well Greg I know that you have another meeting because you know you're part of an empire and you're a very busy guy but can't tell you how much we appreciate your time we're going to let you go and then I'm going to hold on to Henry and David for the next segment if you don't mind. But before I let you go, would you mind just reminding everyone how they can find Friend Follow You and listen to your podcast and read your blog? Absolutely. Uh, The best way is to go on Twitter. I am at Glambert, that's G-L-A-M-B-E-R-T. And uh, you can look at Three Geeks in a Law blog or The Geek in Review, or I'm doing a mini podcast called In Seclusion. Hey, thank you very much for letting me uh, crash your show. Oh, I love it, Greg. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Alrighty, bye-bye. And for everyone else, we'll be right back. We're going to listen to another couple of messages from some sponsors. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and then get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code NEWSOLO10. That's NEWSOLO10 and do that at Clio.com, C-L-I-O.com. Artificial intelligence won't outpace lawyers anytime soon, but lawyers who use AI are already outpacing lawyers who do not. With Ross Intelligence, lawyers conducting legal research leverage AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Ask a question on the Ross Legal Research platform, and Ross will return on point case law. Go to rossintelligence.com today and get a 14-day free trial. Use promo code LEGALTALK for 10% off. All right, we're back, 
And then there were three. That was fun to have Greg on for a few minutes, and I'm going to invite him back because I know he has a lot of great knowledge and information to share with listeners. But I've got David and Henry here, and I wanted to ask a couple of questions. I want to sort of talk a little bit more about just the technology that they use and serving their clients and a topic that I hear a lot about. Actually, let me backtrack a little bit and, and ask Henry just a couple of questions about having gone solo from, and this will tie into being paperless, being mobile, and choosing the right technology. When you were, you know, at, at your big firm, you had all the resources in the world, a copy room, office mm-hmm. services, all the paper you could want, you would just go and, and get. And then you decided to go on your own. And by the way, we should also say that your four attorneys that work for your firm are licensed in four different states. So you actually have a multi-jurisdictional. Right. So there's Henry Herman in California. There's Henry Herman in Florida. Right. There's you got another attorney, Henry Herman in Louisiana. Right. And you've got one more in New York. New York. Okay. Right. <laughs> so all of your attorneys uh-huh. are spattered across the nation. Right. Probably often on airplanes. So when you decided to go out on your own, what were your thoughts on how am I going to manage not having a physical office? How do you deal with not having paper or do you want paper? Well, I don't have that much paper, but I did have a lot more paper when I left the firm because we were still in the old fashioned bio room in Redwells and the whole bit. But I had, I knew that paperless society was where things were moving. But my real concern going solo was not having a secretary, a full-time secretary mm-hmm. at my at my whim, not having a file clerk, not having paralegals, huge, that do all the little, you know, the, the things that, uh, you know, form a corporation or filing this and that, um, not having paralegals and not having word processing staff. Mm. So, For word perfect? Right. And so I knew that 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 was my biggest concern, and how how was I going to deal with that? And so, but I knew I was going to go solo. So I decided to just do it, jump off the ledge. And I had planned all along to figure out how to hire a secretary or assistant, you know, uh, and maybe I would do it, you know, a remote assist, virtual assistant or something. And as a lawyer, lots of lawyers are great at doing legal thinking and writing. Some don't write as well as others, but that's sort of our trade and doing things like sending out FedExes and uh, uh, filing, uh, you know, the paper, the mm-hmm. stuff, of the running a business is what was really freaking me out. Like, uh, how am I going to send out a FedEx? I don't even know how to do a FedEx label, <laughs> much less so I want to take the time. Anyway, fast forward, the more I was uh, practiced that, that I realized that clients, you know, they want to have their documents or they want to have their brief written and I could, you know, they just need to have it filed I figured out pretty quickly that I didn't need, I really didn't need a full-time assistant All that infrastructure. And, a, and a paralegal. Nice to have, but a lot of that stuff I figured out how to do myself and to do electronically. And so it became a lot quicker and a lot easier. And so here I am now, I guess, six six years later, and I still think someday I'll hire a staff, but I'm making more money than I ever made at my firm. And I uh, my clients, I have great clients, and I'm doing well. So, I, I mean, I still think maybe down the road, but I'm living this life that has allowed me to be successful and, and allow me to do the kind of work I want to do and not have all that paper and all not that have all those files. But I do have a good document management system. I do have, you know, one of my biggest concerns was just how was I going to do versioning? And not to get off on a tangent, but 
as a sort of big law or a boutique kind of firm, you know, when you just just undoing a document versions and you would send out red lines to the other side. And we would always, you know, sort of when we would get documents, red lines that had track changes, mm-hmm. for example, versus a, uh, a professional redlining program. We would sort of in in our office, we would kind of laugh at each other. Oh, we're obviously dealing with you know small timer because he's using track changes and whatever. <laughs> so we were so high minded. Nothing wrong with track changes. Well, well, but we could just we just knew like Latham and Watkins or or you know DLA Piper would never send. Yeah, they're paying a bunch tries. of money for a tool they didn't need. The point is that yeah, and I said okay, well I'm going to get one of those you know like whatever uh, Latera and what it was before Delta View and whatever. Yeah. I said, well, I'll just do a few track changes, you know, until I get that. And I just kept going and kept going. And I figured out nobody cares. New York clients don't care. They, don't care. they just want the, their documents. The other lawyers don't care. And in fact, they often like the track changes. But just little things like that, you learn that if you have the right technology that supports the end product that you need to deliver, a lot of the concerns that we have as lawyers are just made up in our own minds, you know. Like that, for example. But I did get uh, NetDocs, and so that's a critical, you know, ability to do net versioning and version control and, you know, document management, searching, find all your that easel. kind of stuff. Yeah. So, David, on the other hand, you have all that infrastructure, but it sounds like you're kind of a minimalist when it comes to taking advantage of the supply room. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, I was just sitting here listening to Henry talk and remembering the old days where I spent a good portion of my day trying to find some piece of paper. Mm. What did we do with that piece of paper? And then I would, because we were so busy, go out and look in the filing bin that my assistant hadn't been able to get to for five days or five weeks and start sifting through that to find a piece of paper. I haven't done that in years, and it makes me feel really good just to reflect on that because we are pretty much paperless, and I know where everything is at all times because we immediately dump it into net documents. The hardest part for me was letting go of physical files. It just seemed like if I show up without a file, I'm not really a lawyer, right? I got to have a file that looks crisply organized with tabs and dividers and separators and all of that. But, you know, it took me a year or two to get beyond that. And and my staff really led me in that direction and just said, you're not allowed to handle paper and (laughs) you're not, you don't need to have files. And again, we're a law firm with kind of a diverse approach. So, I'm probably in the vanguard in that sense of not opening files at all, but I haven't opened a physical file for anything in, I don't know, three, four years, something like that. Um, Notes. I I am a note taker, and sort of the last vestige of the old way for me was those those legal pads. And I would have not one legal pad, but three or four, because I just would be scattered about it. So I would spend time, okay, which legal pad are those notes on? But now I got an iPad Pro with a stylus, one of the big ones, and I really use it for all sorts of things like reading the newspaper in the morning and everything in between. But I take my notes on that and I immediately just turn them into a PDF, upload them to NetDocs, and I know where my notes are and I know where everything else is at all times because it's in NetDocs and it's organized. So, David, NetDocs, you know, we now can save all of our emails in the DMS, document management system and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget, as I think I was still an associate, when I just finally said, you know, to hell with this cron file business. (laughs) And I had started practice sort of on the edge of when when I first started— 
people were still handwriting, you know, comments. I remember I got scolded once by my managing partner, not my managing, but but my partner that I worked for. I got scolded really hard for for revising my own document, like as opposed to marking it up by hand and giving it to the to the secretary. We still called them secretaries back then. But anyway, I'll never forget when I just I just couldn't keep up with printing all the emails and giving it for the filing. Oh my God. And I finally told the secretary, you know, no more crying. I'm just not doing it. And you rebelled. Oh yeah. You're like, I'm tired and, of this Fred Flintstone law firm. They were aghast, you know, they were like thought I was gonna get in trouble. And they, of course then they all of a sudden they, they loved Henry because he was the most <laughs> uh, you know, forward thinking lawyer in the firm. Yeah. But now Cron files. Can you imagine printing every email and letter and I putting still have it? firms that do that. Wow. What I think is interesting that both of you have said is the image that you feel that you have to portray to your clients. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Henry was nervous about going solo because his clients expected him to be sitting in his office overlooking the Pacific with his feet up on a desk. And and David thought he should walk into a meeting with a banker's box full of tabs and envelopes. And yet I often feel that when I hear these stories, it's something you all have in your heads because your clients don't care. They just want their data. They want their information. They want their answers. They want their documents. And however it's delivered, as long as it's good work Mm. delivered in a timely fashion, I feel like I hear that more and more, that, that that's okay. Do you agree, David? Yeah, 100%. I think we spend a lot of time Again, just lawyers being lawyers, uh, futzing around about what <laughs> what people might think are the or what is the one right way to do something. Well, you know, there really isn't one right way other than to try to do it the most efficient way. And I agree a hundred percent that clients, especially today, are not hung up on how you deliver your work product. They just want to get it in a timely fashion and they want it to be good. And if you cover those bases, which were the same bases we needed to cover 50 years ago, then you're doing your job and you're doing it well. Before I forget, you mentioned a note-taking tool that you like and then you save as a PDF. What tool is that? Uh, I believe it's called Notability. It's a free app from the Apple App Store. There's two or three of them. Notability works best for me. And uh, it's got all kinds of cool features. They just did a recent update. So I've got a little color coding scheme that I use. If somebody else is doing something, I write it in orange and I know I got someone else taking care of it. If I got to do it, I write it in blue. I highlight it if it's important so I don't forget and all these little tricks. My daughter, who is 17 years old, showed me how to use the highlighter and make it look good. Cool. So I'm all, I'm all about it. And um, when you save, I'm just curious, do you have NetDocs on that iPad so that you're able to save directly from the PDF into NetDocs? I do. Yeah. Uh, not to be critical of our partners here, I'm not enamored, and maybe it's a training deficit. I'm not too enamored with the uh, Net Documents mobile apps. So what I tend to mm. do mm-hmm. for sake of efficiency is I just email it to myself and then associate it from the email. Got it. But uh, yeah, I think you, you certainly the, the app provides that ability. Excellent. And what are you? some of your other favorite apps or tools that you use to be able to work remotely? Are there any others? Uh, I am not a typist. I never oh, learned yes. to type with any degree of skill. And when I was a law clerk, that was back in the days of dictating letters on a dictaphone into cassette tapes. And I worked for a partner in a law firm who insisted that I learn to dictate. And like everyone who ever started out dictating early in their career, you hate it initially for all sorts of reasons, most of which are about insecurity. But once you learn to dictate, 
you're teaching yourself how to think and speak in an organized, coherent fashion, and you're making yourself a better writer. Mm -hmm. So I think learning to dictate, even in this modern age, is a very important skill. And I use voice dictation for all of my emails and documents and everything. And um, the voice dictation software, I think, still has a little bit of a ways to go. I use the Dragon solution, mm -hmm. and it's glitchy with Office. So it needs another generational update. And if we can ever get the voice dictation to, to really work optimally, that's like the last barrier I have to pure efficiency, I think. So you do add on Dragon. You don't necessarily use the built-in dictation to into Windows. You're a Dragon user. I mean, maybe you can train Windows. I've trained Dragon to a large degree over time with my uh, mm -hmm. library or whatever it's called. So I've never had a lot of success with the Windows functionality just because its vocabulary isn't quite as expansive as you can get with Dragon. And you spend a lot of time going back fixing things that you don't have to fix with Dragon. No, that's great. And um, Henry, do you have any particular tools or apps or services that you love? If you don't, I've got one for you. Well, I was <laughs> going to say no, I don't. But <laughs> but actually, truthfully, I don't really use, like, I wanted to ask uh, David about Evernote you know, or GoodNotes. I have GoodNotes. I like that. That's actually cool. I do have probably one of the more useful apps I use is the uh, scanning app. Oh, sure. The, uh, a scanner pro i think it is There's, i have two or three of them but the scanner pro i've gone into the la county library or san diego county law library mm -hmm. and you know in a real i'm in a hurry i don't have time to to copy or anything but i've scanned like 40 50 pages on your and, phone yeah and it works out great but the what i was going to say is i would love to be a heavy app user you know uh, i listened to that podcast by bernie Bur Brett Brett bernie, bernie. Mm -hmm. so awesome um but the truth is I'm so busy using like, you know, Office 365 uh -huh. and NetDocs and Clio, and it's like everything I need. And I can, I haven't even come close to maximizing the use of the core. And there's so much more I could do to build my practice that using all those fancy apps, which would be great, but the thing is, you don't really need to You've be. Your... So I think my message would be to lawyers that are like afraid of getting like, oh man, I'm not that sophisticated, which I'm not, but I run a total solo mobile practice. I'm not really even remote because wherever I am, I'm at my home office with the basic core stuff, yeah. you know? So what I was going to say, and before I say this, I just want to back up one thing and say, Henry just mentioned Brett Burney, and Brett Bernie's a, a, a great legal technology consultant, specializes in e-discovery, but he has a great podcast called Apps in Law, where he reviews apps for iPhones and iPads and just gives a lot of great tips and tricks. So I want to make sure we know who Brett Bernie is. If you're looking for another good resource on legal technology, he's a real gem. Both of you, I forgot about this until just now, both David and Henry are highly sophisticated Microsoft Word users. So I think this is something that's important for you guys to talk about and encourage other attorneys to get training, but both of you really understand styles. Mm -hmm. So um, Henry, take just a quick minute and sort of explain why learning styles and understanding styles is so critical for your ability to quickly format long leases and documents. Well, I, I learned, uh, I was taught from the beginning, my when I started as a lawyer, my... Uh, 
my boss would, you know, was very particular about how documents look. We always wanted to have our documents look the same, whether, you know, whether it was a simple agreement or a lease agreement or just a, a purchase and sale agreement. And so having them look the same all the time was important. And when you're dealing with a longer, especially a longer document, but even a shorter one, uh, where you have multiple sections and multiple, you know, numbered paragraphs, having automatic numbering, automatic styles is so critical because, you know, when you're mixing and, you know, adding paragraphs, adding sections, deleting stuff, um, it's got to all just sort of work kind of magically, is what, which is what styles do. And I get documents from other lawyers all the time that have been stripped of styles, so they're like all in normal, the whole document's in normal. Man, it's crazy. I mean, it's just a it's a lot disaster. of work. A lot of work because nothing works right, and then the don't the formatting doesn't work. And so I was always interested in how those worked, but I was very good at figuring out hacks in terms <laughs> of when I was you know when I had a a staff, um, and I didn't really know how to do styles. I figured out you know like unformatted pasting. I figured out that I could do you know things like that. So, but learning styles has helped me to learn how to format documents and and manage my documents myself, which by the way, I, I think I told you this before, but learning that I don't have to be afraid of the, the guts of a document makes me a better lawyer because it makes me less afraid of the document. And then I can think about the, the legal stuff, you know what I mean? The Without writing. having to be anxious about formatting, yeah, doing yeah. crazy or things. so worried yeah. about Because oh, inevitably, good. as lawyers, we're always under the gun. The client, <laughs> you know, it's like getting toward the end of the day, and we got to get that document out. And the client's emailing, you say, where's my document? I can't, can't what time are you going to send it? You know, and there's <laughs> all this pressure. And inevitably, you make one change, and it screws up, you know, a whole series of things goes wrong, right? Because it's a formatting issue. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, I was about <laughs> to send this out. Now everything went crazy. So when you know that you can sort of get under the hood, as it were, I'm not an auto guy, but when you know you can get under the hood and fix the car, you're so much more confident. So Driving cross-country. Yeah. And so, David, for you, I'll remember one of the first times I came into your office when we were, you know, helping your firm, and you mentioned st I wanted to, I may have actually hugged you because you were one of very few attorneys that appreciated styles as well. Absolutely. And, you know, Henry made a comment earlier about... Uh, seeing someone send something over with track changes as opposed to a uh, change tracking piece of software. Well, there's nothing more revealing about the quality of the shop that you're dealing with on the other side of a deal or a case or a transaction than going up to the top and hitting that little paragraph key. Uh -huh. that, that'll tell you a whole lot about who is doing what and the level of sophistication that you're dealing with. Because Sometimes I hit that paragraph key and it's just a disaster. And other times you hit that paragraph key and you say, okay, we're all on the same page here. But it also makes me think about training. Yeah, yeah. Both inside, inside our firm and outside our firm, I think there are a lot of people who probably spend 80% of their day working in Microsoft Office and more, more particularly Microsoft Word. And there's just a huge deficit in knowledge and understanding, which results in a deficit in efficiency. So... We are all creatures of habit. We all learn to do things the way we learn to do them by hook or by crook. But investing in bringing people up to speed on best practices with especially Microsoft Word is critical because you'll turn out better work product. When you pull up forms internally, you won't spend the first 10 minutes getting them just right before you can actually create a document and your team will work more effectively. 
I totally agree. Well, you guys, it's been so great having you on here. And David, I've been wanting, actually, I've been wanting to have both of you on my podcast for a really long time. And I appreciate your time. And I'd love to have you both back individually to talk a little bit more about other issues and questions and give more advice. Because I think, David, you as a managing partner just have so much insight and you're such a good leader and just have done such a good job, at least from my perspective, insofar as introducing the firm to technology, pushing technology, dealing with the pushback. I'd, I'd love to have you back on and just give our attorneys more advice about how to deal with that. And Henry, you know, you're living the dream, man. You're living the life that a lot of lawyers wish they had, mm. which is just detached from you're a minimalist and you get to go where you want and work from where you want. And your clients seem pretty happy with you. So I'd love to have you back on and talk more about just being a true solo and how you've managed it. Before I let you guys go, though, I just want to make sure that everybody can find friend or follow you. And David, I know you're a heavy LinkedIn user. That's probably where you do a lot of your networking. So if you don't mind, just tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and your firm website if they want to learn more about you. Yeah, like I said, we're the FAR law firm. That's F-A-R-R. So we're at FAR.com. My uh, email is dholmes, D-H-O-L-M-E-S, at FAR.com. And yeah, I do use LinkedIn, but I have no idea how to tell anyone verbally how to find me on LinkedIn other than to use that information that I just gave you. Well, that's great. What about you, Henry? I'm at hermanlawfirm.com, and that's H-E-R-R-M-A-N lawfirm.com. And I'm on Twitter at, at Herman Group. And uh, same thing at LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate your time and your insight. I know it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people out there. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening to New Solo today. If you like what you've heard, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a good review on iTunes. We'll see you next time. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice. Solo here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.